Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. We, uh, we're studying through the, the Psalms, not, obviously not all of them all at one time, but uh, kind of working our way through called Summer in the Psalms. And so this, uh, this week we're in Psalm 40. So 17 verses. The last ones have only been five or six. So get ready. We got 17 verses. It should be up on the screen. Uh, here we go. Verse one, it says, Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and they will put their trust in the Lord. Verse 4, it says, How happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or to those who run after lies. Lord, my God, you have done many things, your wondrous works and your plans for us. None can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. Verse 6, you do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Then I said, see, I have come. In the scroll that is written about me, I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. Verse 9, I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed, as you know, Lord. I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. Verse 11, Lord, you do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me. For troubles without numbers have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I am unable to see... They are more than the hairs of my head, and my courage leaves me. Lord, be pleased to rescue me. Hurry to help me, Lord. Let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and confounded. Let those who wish me harm be turned back and humiliated. Let those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled because of their shame. Verse 16, let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, the Lord is great. I am oppressed and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my helper and my deliverer. My God, do not delay. Father, we thank you for your word. It is pure. It is perfect. Father, may you just teach us today out of your word. In your name we pray. Amen. For sake of time and, you know, all of that. We're not going to cover 17 verses today. You know, you know, a pastor could take about 17 hours on that one right there. But we're going to be looking really in verses 1 through 3, 1 through 5, somewhere in there. We'll see uh, where, where the Lord has for us. But what I really enjoy on these first verses, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and he heard my cry for help. What we're looking at today is that waiting patiently is a process that strengthens our faith, deepens our trust, and transforms our heart. By a show of hands, how many people love just waiting? <laughs> right? Like, man, we are just like, man, the most impatient people ever. We live in this microwave society of just speed it up. But yet we hate waiting. But yet 
most of our day consists of waiting. I mean, we, we wait in traffic. We wait in lines at the grocery store. We wait at the gas pumps. I mean, have you? it's fun to be at a gas pump when they're all kind of full because you just see these cars are just circling. You know, they're like vultures just waiting for that. And they don't care who they have to cut off, insult, get mad at. They will just poof, jump right in there because we're so impatient. I mean, we wait so much. You think that we would learn to just put up with it, but we don't. We, we wait in school pickup lines. Man, that's a beat down right there, is it not? Thank goodness we live in Strong. There's no waiting in that one. They just walk home for us. But, man, you, there's people that, like, they devote the entire afternoons to driving into that pickup line. And, man, they lose Jesus and come to Jesus all in the same day. Because, man, it's like, man, they're listening to the worship music. Like, oh, the Lord is so good. And they get in that pickup line. It's like, all right, here we go. You got to get out of here, kids. Let's go quick. Don't look. Don't talk. Don't make eye contact. We got to go. And you're, you're, man, it's tough. But we spend all of our time waiting because we're impatient. We we wait to our kids to find one of the matching pairs of the 19 shoes that they have. And they have 19 pairs of shoes, and they've got 19 shoes. They don't even know where the other half to all. And you're just like. Man, I, it happened to me yesterday. You know, you're like, hey, dude, come on. Just just put something on your feet. We're just going here. It doesn't matter if they match. Nobody's going to see. You're not getting out of the car, but we're going. Like, we're leaving now. We spend all of our time waiting, but yet it's still so frustrating to us. I hope that today we can look at what that means because what's happened is we've taken that impatience and we've transferred it over to our relationship with God. And when we, when we treat God in that manner, it's a bad deal. We, we want to rush God to get to where, we're, where we feel like we're supposed to be. What happens is when we do not wait on the Lord, we become impatient, immature, weak, and bratty Christians. When we get everything we want at the, at the spur of the moment, we become brats. We become spoiled and entitled. And we think that that's what, we feel like that's how it's supposed to happen. But I prayed and man, God's supposed to come, right? Like we drink seven Dr. Peppers a day, but one day I eat salad, I step on the scale, nothing's happened. Like what happened? Like Lord, I ate a salad today. Is that not supposed to change? I, I, did, I walked 10,000 steps today. Is that not supposed to affect the scale? It doesn't matter that I'm going to drink seven tomorrow. But today I want to see like this instant change. And we've made it the same way with the, with the Lord. Where, where we think that we get to go days, weeks, months without opening up the word. But then we want the relationship that every that we see other people have that are in this daily. We, 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 want, we want what everybody else has. We, like we look at the cries of David and you're like, man, that's what I want. And then you get home and then you turn on the TV. You get home and, and go do what you want to do. You, you don't sit down and, and study the word. It, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. And you're like, man, that's what I want. I, I, I want the result of that, but I don't necessarily want the process of that. It's okay to say amen in here, okay? We're, we're good because it's true. Like we want the end result without the process because we don't want to have to wait for it. We want it now because we feel like we deserve it. 
amens on that one. I waited patiently for the Lord. In Hebrew, it, it means, it says, it's actually written, waited, I waited for the Lord. Waited, I waited for the Lord. It, when, when you take that verb, you take that word and you double it, it, it intensifies the meaning of that word. So it's a term called like reduplication. So when, when you double the word, then uh, that made Curtis's head hurt when I said reduplication. He's like, man, he's using big words today. But like when, when you double those words, it intensifies it. And so what David's saying, like, waited, I waited for the Lord. He is inclined to me and he heard my cry. So it's not, David's not just sitting around like this. Man, this is so fun waiting on the Lord. Man, I, man for troubles without number have surrounded me. Lord, you are so good. There's a burning inside of David that's going waited. I have waited patiently. I've waited for the Lord. Because that, that double word intensifies it. We, we have the same thing in, in our English language when we say, you know, like we'll say it a lot of times, especially with our kids. You know, if the, the stove, well, hey, hey, the stove's hot, hot, right? You'll say, because what are you trying to say? Like, hey, man, that, that's really hot. I want you to understand. Like, if I say it's hot, then you're like, uh, maybe that's like the bathwater's hot, or maybe it's like the sun is scorching me all day hot. No, like it's hotter than that. It's hot, hot. You know, we, we have those things like, uh, crazy, crazy, or as these non-boomers will say, cray-cray. Like, hey, if a girl's crazy, that's kind of cool. If she cray-cray, it's like, uh-uh, that, that's too intense for me, you know? So like one, it's like, okay, that's cool. Hot, that's fine. But like, it's been hot, hot this week, right? Where Seth knows, he's like, man, I've been outside and it's been hot. It, it intensifies it. It doubles it. You go to In-N-Out, man, what, what do you get at In-N-Out? Double, double, right? Because, man, that intent, I don't just want a, I don't just want a burger from In-N-Out. Man, I want that double, double. You're right? You walk up and you're like, I ain't got to look at that. You just walk up, double, double. That's what I want, man. And because it intensifies it. And that's so what we're looking at here is like, he's saying, waited. I waited patiently for the Lord. He's intensely waiting on God. It's a dire situation. He needs God to come through. How about this? Waiting is a glorious opportunity for us to partner with God and to see his power. We don't like waiting, but it's a glorious opportunity to see God work. When we wait, we get to know him more. If we, if we just got from here to there, what, where's the fun in that? My family loves, we love to take road trips lock everybody in the, in, the, in the car and just, boom, we're going to go across the country. And it's honestly the most fun times that you can have. Frustrating, sure. They want to hit me for my music choices, sure. You know, but like someone takes their shoes off after the hike and you're like, dude, put the shoes back on. You know that you can't do that. It's frustrating. But, but if we just got to go from here to there, the time in between is what really matters. It's the same thing with us and the Lord. There are things that you are waiting on. There are things that you ha have been waiting on for a very long time. There are things that I'm waiting on right now. Man, you know, I, 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 I try to say it all the time. I'm frail and broken. I, 
most days I do not feel qualified to be able to stand up here and, and do what I'm doing here. I don't feel qualified. I, my first response when I'm caught is to lie. And, and I, I wait, waited, I wait for that not to be my initial response. And I, I want to be a man that just speaks the truth no matter how hard it is or how difficult. But, but still, my first instinct, now, now I, I'm able to catch it most times. The, the word says, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive, make it obedient to the will of Christ. Absolutely. But that first thought when I'm caught, or when I don't want to necessarily say exactly what I'm thinking, that first thought is a lie. And it might be a good lie in my mind. It might be something that I, I want to soften the blow that's about to come your way. I, so, so I have things that I'm waiting on. And, and I understand. And I don't understand sometimes why the process is longer for things. But waiting is part of our Christian walk. Just like, just like our regular earthly natural walk where we wait in all of the things in life. Waiting is part of our walk with the Father. If we got everything that we wanted all at once, we would become weak, immature, impatient, and bratty Christians. We would all become the prodigal son if he gave us, that's what happened to the prodigal son. He got everything that he was owed and everything he deserved. And he took it and lived his life that he wanted to. If I got everything that the Lord had for me, he'd be the first person I turn my back on as I'm running down there enjoying all that he's given me. It's this process of waiting. Waiting, waiting for, for your healing. Waiting for kids to return back to the Lord. Waiting on your spouse to be who the Lord has called him or her to be. Waiting on all of those things. Waiting to be free from sickness. Waiting to be free from bondage. Waiting. Our entire walk is waiting. Waiting to be in that place where we feel like he's called us. Like he has this for me. But I'm not there yet and I don't know how to get there. But I know that he has that. It's that waiting that is so important and so valuable because it's a process that allows us to see his heart and to see him move in power. It's the same idea that we talked about in Psalm 23 last week. Psalm 23, 5, it says that he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup overflows. The idea is that he prepares a table before us. And he says, sit here. Wait with me. When he prepares the table, we're so anxious to run off and go get something else that we like instead. Because we sit down and we don't see everything on the table. And we want to go out and get it on our own. But he's calling us to be seated at his table. To be with him, to be still. I know your situation seemed dire. Man, mine seemed dire. Uh, my, my wife is kind of like anxiety right now. We're, we're like a, a tightness and a shortness of breath. And it's like, man, you pray for healing. We're believing for that. But, but you don't see that. 
We're not there yet. That waiting time is hard. But that waiting time, we can, there's two options. You can either sit at the table that he's called you to, or you can run off and go get it yourself. That's what he says in verse 4. How happy is anyone who puts his trust in the Lord? The, the Hebrew word actually is the same word. It says, how happy is anyone who waits on the Lord and has not turned to the proud or does not run after those who lie? He's saying, how happy are those who sit at the table, who trust that the Lord is going to provide everything that they need. Sit and be with him. God is never late. He's rarely early, but he's always on time. The problem is that we don't know what his time is, and we think that our time is his time. We think that we should see this in the moment right now. Oh, oh th this is what he has for me right now. Maybe it is and maybe it isn't, but I can promise you right now that his timing is perfect. How about this? A painful no is still a good answer. Kelly, Kelly told me that this week. A painful no is still a good answer. That's hard, isn't it? Because it hasn't changed. He's still good for us. He still turns to us and he still hears our cry. He pulls us out of the desolate pit, out of the miry clay and sets our feet on a rock. A painful no is still a good answer. Because see, the Lord is concerned about generations. If he tells me no, it's for my good and for his glory. But it's also for the benefit of my family and of my generations. When I see a house that I want, that's not 120 years old, that has flooring all consistent, has modern plumbing and all of that, electricity works when you turn on light switches. When he tells me no to that house, that's because it's, not good for my generations that are coming after me. When, when I want another job, a new job to make more money, bigger promotion, more, and the Lord says, no, not right now. That no is a good answer for me because that means that it wasn't the best for my generations that are coming after me. Because that new job, that new promotion, that new money is going to pull you away from your family. They don't need more stuff. They need more of you. So a no is still a good answer. Waiting is good. When he says no to leaving, when you're like, man, I, I just got to go. And he says no, and you're like, man, I, I don't understand that, but... But look at what she said to me. Look at how she's treated me. Look at how, how he did this and how he did that. I have every right. I can look in the Bible. I can prove that I have the right to leave. But when he tells you no, it's because it's not the best answer for the generations that are to come after you. We wait. I wait not for me. But I wait for the generations that are coming after me. When we get a better perspective of when he tells me no, it's not because he's a bad dad. It's because he's a loving father that knows all things, that sees how that decision is going to affect that. When we wait on him, it's for his timing. He can give it to you now, but the Lord does things that bring about the most fruit 
but he can also allow you to go out and go get it yourself. You, you, you can want and want and want. You can wait and wait and wait. And his timing is perfect. I mean, you, you think even when, when we talk sickness and you're like, man, looking at my, my friend Sarah, where, where unless the Lord intervenes, it, it's death. It could be as close as six months. And you're like, but how can you say that his timing is perfect? Because I trust that she will breathe every breath that was intended for her. And, and whether that's to live to 100 or live to where she is now, I trust that he is good. And I can promise you that everything that, that we're praying for and crying out and that she is believing for, if she does not see what she wants to see in the physical, well, when that last breath is breathed, breathed she'll see him in the spiritual. And she'll be more alive than she's ever been. Sometimes we think that, that death is the end. Like, oh, oh I... I didn't get what I wanted. Uh, we, we, write, we, we social media post and, and we talk about this is like a sports analogy too. Like, you know, you're in a tournament and, and you didn't win the championship. And, and what, if, if you're on it, you'll, you'll, hear, you'll see the phrase, not the result we wanted, but blah, blah, blah. And I feel like sometimes that's where we are when we're waiting on the Lord and we say, man, not the result we were looking for. But it's the result that he ordained. And it's hard for us to receive those in, in this waiting. But Paul said it so beautifully. What? To live is Christ. To die is gain. So we can go, man, that's not the result that I was looking for with Sarah. But she's gained everything that she's ever asked for or wanted. She's in that new glorious body. And that's not defeat. Death, where is your sting? Sin has no power over us. Death is what the enemy used to hold us down with. But now for us, death is gain. There, there's no sweeter joy than in whatever my end looks like. There's, no, there's going to be no regrets when I'm before him. I'm not going to stand before him and say, Lord, but why didn't I get to do this? Well, Lord, what if, if I don't get to walk my, my daughter down the, the aisle for her wedding? When I'm before him, I'm not going to go, Lord, why didn't I get to do that? That's the wrong perspective. As beautiful as that's going to be, that's still the wrong perspective. To wait on him goes, man, I, no matter what you have for me, Father, it's the best. And if that means death on this earth, I accept it. You, you read this book, of it's called the Fox's Book of Martyrs. and It's the stories of the martyrs that were slaughtered. And, and we're not even talking just like, Right there, right after Jesus in Jerusalem. Like, you're, you're talking like in Syria in 2020. You're, you're talking in Afghanistan and China. You read these stories of these 
people that are being martyred. And you read their last words. Not one of them turns their back on him. There's this guy, uh, his last name is Milne, M-I-L-N-E. He was the last martyr in Scotland. He, he was imprisoned, beaten, tortured. They had, they had a pot of boiling water. They're going to burn him. He said, I, I will not contribute to my own death. He is old. And he said, but if you carry me up there, then I'll gladly receive any punishment that you have. And they did. They carried him up there. And he went in. And because of him, 3,000 people gave their life to the Lord. A painful no is still a good answer. He's at the table. Are you willing to wait for him? Are you willing to just be seated with him? And go, Lord, there's all of these things. Yeah, and you can't do anything about it. What, you, you got bills you got to pay. You're going to go earn more money. You think you're the provider, not him. It, your kids have ran astray, gone off, quit following the Lord. What, you, you, you think it's going to be your Facebook post that's going to bring them back? That little passive aggressive, right? Maybe you tag them in it. If you're not passive aggressive, you're just aggressive, right? You tag them in it. It's like, oh, man, that's what I needed right there. Man. What you need is to just sit at the table, trust in the goodness of God. Got some kids getting active out there. Oh, <laughs> there goes the mom. Dad's out there giving them more sugar. You know, mom's out there. Blessed are those who didn't run to the proud or to the liars. Blessed are those who waited. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, Those who wait on the Lord, their strength is renewed. You see, the, he doesn't just withhold things from us because he doesn't think we deserve them. He doesn't just withhold things from us. It's not a carrot on a stick that he dangles and he's laughing and joking about it. But when we wait, that our strength is renewed. Romans 5, 3, yeah, 5, I think, 5, 3 through 5, it, Pastor Michael, correct me if I'm wrong. Past Romans 5, 3 through 5, you know, it's just like endurance. You know, perseverance produces endurance, endurance, hope. Like, like we go through these things. We go through these trials. And, and it's not just so that he can, in a weird, psychotic way, make us want him more or have to turn to him. But what it is, it's like, okay, I'll wait on you. Because I know that what you have for me is better than anything that I could get on my own. And I guess that's really the question we have to ask ourselves. Do we really believe that the Lord has, what the Lord has for us is the best for us? Or do we think that what we can do on our own is better than what he can do? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Whatever you're waiting on right now, do you believe that what he has for you is better than what you can get on your own? There's so many things that I'm waiting on. Promises. Pro prophetic words. 
that I cling to, put them in my Bible. I got to transfer them to my new Bible now. But the, just prophetic words that are just on note cards and scratched on the margins. I just cling to that. I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I'm going to see that. But I'm going to wait and I'm not going to grow weary because my strength is renewed on those who wait on the Lord. In our waiting, there's tension. There, there's that, that tension of faith. It's like, like a rope, two people pulling on a rope on opposite ends. And, and there's that tension, and that tension is good. When you wait and you're like, you feel that tension in you, like, man, it's good. Because it stretches you. It, it, it's two people, you and him, working together. You, you ever just, like, start pulling the rope with someone and then just let go? You know, it's like, or you're on a teeter-totter and you just just jump off. You know, that, that's the whole point of a teeter-totter is to just like, all right, when, when are you jumping off? And you have to figure that out one second before they're going to figure out that you're about to jump off. What happens is when there's not that tension, you get on a teeter-totter, there's some tension because you're like, okay, what's, what's happening? When, when you go on, you know, you start pulling on that rope and if just one person lets go, then it's disastrous. That tension is natural. But when you let go of the rope and go on your own, there's disastrous things that happen. If we never have to wait, we become impatient, immature, weak, and bratty Christians. I waited patiently. Patiently here in Psalm 40 right here. Third word. I waited patiently for the word. That word actually means to bind together. I waited patiently. It means to bind together. It's the same word. It's only used twice right there. It's also the same word in Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. Then God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear. That same word, gathered, is the same word, patiently. And you're like, Lord, what does that mean? Like, how? The English language has really butchered some of these things. Gather together, to bind together. So in our waiting, I waited patiently for the Lord. So that means that I waited, what? Bound with him. So many times when we wait, we do it apart from him. You ever wait on your spouse to get ready? Where do you normally wait with your spouse? Either in the other room or in the car. Right? That, that's, that's waiting impatiently. But waiting patiently means to be gathered together, to be bound together. That, hey, we're in this together. The picture of this is, is kind of like tornado sirens are going off. What do, you, what do you do? You go get everybody gathered together. You hunker down into, into the toilet, to the, or not the toilet, the tub. <laughs> We do things different and strong, all right? <laughs> we got big toilets out there. <laughs> you gather everybody together. She's out. She's like, I can't take this. That, that, this message is wrong. <laughs> you gather everybody together. You get bound together. So many times when we wait, we try to do it apart from him. But this word here, I waited patiently for the Lord. It means when I wait, man, I'm going to draw close to you. 
Lord, I, I, when I'm waiting, I'm not waiting like, oh, man, Lord, you better hurry up and work this out. But it's us together. When we talk about waiting, it makes us think that someone is late, delayed, or that they forgot. And so we sit there and we worry, we get mad, and that causes separation. But when we wait with the Lord, we're gathered together with him. Waiting isn't this passive. I think even that idea that, that I talk about at sitting at the table, it, it's not a passive like, oh, hey, we wait, and I'm just going to sit here. And David's like, waited, I waited for the Lord, and I didn't do anything at all. I just sat there and twiddled my thumbs. Waiting with the Lord is actually aggressive, like, like it's proactive. The, uh, the queen, rest her soul, the queen uh, died, and, but she had uh, signals with her purse. I don't know if you had seen this, but the queen that when she would talk, she always carried a purse, and there's a list of things that really mean, it doesn't really matter what she carries in there. It really wasn't much or as exciting as you think that a queen would have in there, but she would carry her purse, and the, uh, the queen's guard was always watching the purse, because when she was talking to someone and she switched arms with the purse, that meant, hey, come, come rescue me here. <laughs> if she was eating uh, and she would get her purse out, set it on the table to, and she would act like she's looking for something in there. If she set her purse on the table, that meant, hey, five minutes and come tell me that somebody's calling, right? I, five more minutes and I want to be out of here. And then if she was at a place and she would set her purse on the floor, that meant come right now. Right now. We got to hurry up. And so the queen's guard, they waited for a signal. But they didn't just stand around and go, okay, I don't know, we'll wait for the queen for her to tell us what to do. But they waited intently, watching her every move. When we wait for the Lord... We don't just sit here and turn our back and be like, all right, Lord, you just work this out. But what we do is we wait intently because all it takes is a whisper, a gesture, and you go, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. Have you ever done that? Have you had like, you're like, man, Lord, I don't know if this is right. Is this? And then like you see like confirmation like that. You're like, okay, there it is. It wasn't the audible voice of God that came down and said, hey, Jeff, I want you to go and, and do, go here. No, but, but I thought that. I thought that's what you were telling me. And then I saw three different things that confirmed that. Because when we wait, we draw near to him. When, when you draw near to someone, you begin to see their expressions or their gestures. And you know what they mean before they even have to say a word. It, it's, uh, I, love, I love tickling my kids. Man, they, most of them don't enjoy it. Milo loves to be tickled. I mean, he could spend days straight being tickled. And it's so fun. And, and what it is, it's that, that anticipation. You know, like you, you like, like that and you stop and he still giggles like it was the best thing ever. I never even touched him. Because it's not even the fact that I tickled him, but it, it's the gestures and the emotions on my face that where it's like, oh yeah, here it comes. You know, or... I like to mess with the kids. Lauren doesn't really enjoy that sometimes because it thinks that she thinks it confuses them, you know, like by telling them no and then like laughing about it, you know, like, oh, hey, don't do that. Don't go hit your brother. And it's like they know that I'm saying go hit their brother because even though my words are saying not to, 
my gestures and my expressions are saying, go do what I just said. You know, it'll be funny. I'll take the heat on this one. When we wait, we grow closer to the Father. When we grow closer to the Father, then we begin to see his gestures and his emotions, his expressions. And then we don't have to sit around and wait. Lord, I need you to tell me audibly with your voice that you want me to go buy this Corvette. Not that that would have, he wouldn't tell me that, right? I just got to have your voice say that. Or I need to know, do I have to take this job? Am I supposed to take this job? And we're waiting for the audible voice of God. When he's already told us in our heart. And now in his kindness, the more that we draw closer to him, he will have expressions and gestures, little whispers and confirmations that go, Man, I, I think I'm supposed to take that job. I think I'm supposed to do this, do that. I think I'm supposed to homeschool. I think I'm supposed to send my kids back to public school. Like We have all of these things, and you're like, sometimes you just want that solid answer, and he doesn't give you a solid answer. But he whispers, and he gives you confirmations. When we wait, we draw near to him. We see his heart and his plan for us. When you know him, you know his heart, his character, his voice, and his gestures. We're going to keep going here. You ready? This is the second part of verse 1. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He turned to me. He inclined to me is what the NIV version says. It means to extend or to stretch out. So you have, you have David. I waited, waited, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he extended to me. He stretched out to me. He helped me. He was inclined to me. It's the, the idea to be inclined means to not sit back and relax, but to be inclined means to bend down and to stretch out. If a kid has fallen to help them up, you're, you're inclined to them and you extend your arm, you stretch it out and you help them up. That's what he's saying. Like, like we have a God who says, hey, waited, I waited patiently for the Lord. And here's the promise that he is inclined to you. He doesn't just sit back and watch and go, I huh, wonder how that's going to work out. Or, hmm, probably should have listened to me. We don't have that kind of a God. We have a God who is inclined to us, who hears our cries, who does not turn a deaf ear to us, who does not go, ah, probably shouldn't have done that, told you that. He is inclined to us. He, it is who he is. He extends and he reaches out. He stretches out to us. That's who he is. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. He stretches out and he extends. He hears our cries. I think sometimes we can grow weary in crying out to the Lord. We can feel needy and whiny. They're like, how, how much longer am I going to have to cry out for my son to return? How much longer am I going to have to cry out for healing? How much longer am I going to have to cry out for this or for that, for my husband, for the sin, for the, all these things? How long am I going to cry out? But he says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. There's no better use of your time than crying out to the Lord. We get tired of crying out to the Lord, though, don't we? We never get tired of crying out to others, telling, telling all you our sob story, how they mistreated us, how this and that. We have no problem doing that. We have no problem putting it on Facebook. No problem. But crying out to the Lord, it's like, oh, what good is this going to do? Well, what good is it going to tell Sally? Sally can't help you. 
Sally's got problems of her own. You know, like who cares? Sally doesn't care. She's not inclined to you. Cry out to him. Do not stop because our strength is renewed when we cry out to him. When we wait, our strength is being renewed. It doesn't wear us down. It doesn't wear him down. It renews our strength. He heard my cry. When you find yourself in need, cry out to him. He is not too busy. He does not ignore us. All right, here we go. We're going to end with this right here. Out of the miry clay. He brought me from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay, miry clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. We're out there searching for the latest miracle. And we ignore the greatest miracle ever. He took us from the miry clay, from the muddy pit, and set our feet on a rock that cannot be shaken. And I have to ask myself, and I do it every day, is that enough for me? If he doesn't do one more thing for me, is that enough? Absolutely it is. I was, uh, yesterday we were doing a job and uh, we're pumping a lake out. And so there hasn't been water on this part of the lake for probably six months. And I had to go fix a fence that a cow had, a hog had broke through and the cows had gotten in. So I'm walking across the back part of the lake that's been dry for six months. Assume it's safe. I, I know I'm a little heavier than I, than I have been. Those carbs are getting to me. It's okay. I, I got a pretty good ways out. And th- then the ground started to change. Like, hmm. You're like, okay, it's not bad. I'll walk lighter. <laughs> that, that was my thought. I won't step down as hard. I know it's dumb, but you're in the middle. Like, what am I going to do? I was like, I was like, Horton, here's a who, you know, just like think light, think like air. You know, I'm just like, okay, if I just don't press, how can I put this foot down and keep all of this weight not there? Man, I, I took one step. And I was like, okay, got, got to the top of the shoe. I was like, okay, okay, I'll do, I'll go lighter. I press down on there and I take the next step and it goes to my knee. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm on the middle of 2,000 acres. There's nobody there except the cow that is, I'm trying to not let get stuck. And he's looking at me, the cow going, what are you doing? And I, I was like, oh man, who am I going to call? Not calling my wife, that's for sure. She ain't coming. She ain't coming. I'm like, man, I, so I'm like, okay. You know, and then as you try to pull this leg out, what happens to that leg? It goes down more. I was able to get, like, I had to actually sit down to, like, pull that leg out. It was embarrassing. I may have done some little rolls to get away to, like, the dry. Because the top is dry. It's that, it's that idea of waited, I waited for the Lord. He inclined to me. He heard my cry. He pulled me out of the desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock. We were stuck, and now we're set. We were stuck in mud that we had no way of getting ourselves out of. And because he is inclined to us, 
Because he loves us. He takes us out of there and puts us on a rock that will not be shaken. He is our firm foundation. And we have to say, who do we cry out to when we're waiting? Are we waiting patiently? Are you a patient waiter? Probably not. I mean, that's just most of us in here. Is he enough for you? I'm just going to end with this for you guys to think about this week as we, as we walk out of here. It says, while you wait, draw close to him. You're, you're going to push away the only one that can actually do anything about it. Sally can't. She can't help you. Draw near to him. So that you see what he's saying before he even has to say it. Be patient. Sit. Relax. And be present with him. There's a country song. Cliff will send it to me on YouTube. If you're going through hell, just keep on going before the devil even knows you're there. Sometimes you just got to sit. And wait, let, let the Lord be the deliverer. Our process is, man, when we're going through something, we just want to get out of it as quick as we can. Yeah, but you didn't learn your lesson, so you're going to be right back in that same pit. But you don't care because when you get to that next pit, you're just going to go through it real fast. Sit and relax. God's not in a hurry. God's not worried. Cry out to him. Trust him. Uh, say, uh, something that, we, that I've been saying a couple times is, He's better than you think. And I'm going to add to it this week. You're not as good as you think. Trust him. When you wait, wait patiently. Cry out to him. He is inclined to you. He will stretch out his arm to you. And he will save you, even if it's not how you thought he was going to save you. A good no or a hard no is still a good answer. If we never have to wait, we become impatient, immature, weak, bratty Christians. Father, I thank you for your word today. Psalm 40, for the truth of your word. Father, I pray that you would teach us how to just wait. Wait on you, wait for you, wait with you. Father, that in our waiting that we could be bound together with you. Father, that we would not grow weary. Your word says, do not grow weary in well-doing. Father, may we not grow weary in our waiting, but may our strength be renewed. May our faith be deepened. And may we fall more in love with you in, in the waiting. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, love you guys.